Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this show on Thursday, April 2nd. And... Okay. The, the, <laughs> look, folks. The, I'm you sorry. Okay, but you I'm just, <laughs> yes, I'm in perfect health, if you're asking. Uh, but I, nah, just look, the COVID bad news train continues to roll on. Uh, literally, and what? Within the hour uh, before Drew and I began recording this episode, the Walt Disney Company released a, a statement. Do you want to read the joyous Oh, sure. Or? Okay. Um, okay. The COVID-19 pandemic is having a devastating impact on our world with untold suffering and loss and has required all of us to make sacrifices. Over the last few weeks, mandatory decrees from government officials have shut down a majority of our businesses. Disney employees have received full pay and benefits during this time, and we've committed to paying them through April 18th for a total of five additional weeks of compensation. However, with no clear indication of when we can restart our businesses, we're forced to make the difficult decision to take the next step and furlough employees whose jobs aren't necessary at this time. The furlough process will begin on April 19th, and all impacted workers will remain Disney employees through the duration of the furlough period. They will receive full health care benefits, plus the cost of employee and company premiums will be paid by Disney, and those enrolled in Disney Aspire will have continued access to the education program. Additionally, employees with available paid time off can elect to use some or all of it at the start of the furlough period, and once furloughed, they are eligible to receive an extra $600 per week in federal compensation through the $2 trillion economic stimulus bill, as well as state unemployment insurance. Okay. Not great. So let me you know, also share with one of our, our listeners cast member Walt Disney World put out, you know, via Twitter, and it's just, it kind of sucks that they found out about this through a press release as opposed to reaching out to the cast members first, but it's like, what are you going to do? This is a situation where there really isn't a good move. Also, to be clear here, just, what was it, just last Friday, we got that announcement about Disney executives taking pay cuts. I mean, Bob Iger gave up his whole salary for the year. Bob Chapek took a 50% pay cut. And then depending on what level you're within the company, it's a 30% cut, a 25% cut, a, a 20% cut. And I guess I should also point out here something that Len just tweeted that it's like, okay, now in the middle of that is that they will continue to get full health care benefits. So, you know, that's a bit of good news. But this still sucks, you know? Uh, you know. Oh, yeah. There are no two ways around it. That's the thing of this pandemic is that it's impacting millions of people. But at the same time, it also, you can't forget the individuals. And, and just today, we found out about veteran voice actress Julie Bennett. She was 88 and just passed away from COVID-19. And it's kind of ironic. Julie worked actually started working at the very same uh, studio that June Foray really made her name at, uh, Jay Ward Productions. She was a voice uh, performer for the Fractured Fairy Tale segment on the, the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. And based on how well she did there, the folks at Hanna-Barbera hired her, and she went over there to do Yogi's girlfriend Cindy on the Yogi Bear show. And uh, she reprised that role in the 64 theatrical release that Hanna-Barbera did. Hey, there's Yogi Bear. And 
I think her most recent voice work was back in 97 when she was Peter Parker's Aunt May on Spider-Man the Animated Series. And not in June Foray's class, but still a solid performer that a lot of people loved, especially those who worked with Julie after she kind of put her animation work behind her and, and became a personal manager. Um, let's see, she worked under the name of Marina Daniels uh, while she did that. But on behalf of Drew and myself, the, our heartfelt condolences go out to Julie uh, Bennett's friends and family at their time of sorrow. And this personally makes me sad because as a small boy, I watched way too much Yogi Bear. And I, I think that uh, Hey There, Yogi Bear may have been my, the second or third you know, or anime feature I saw theatrically, uh, the Sword in the Stone was the first. What, what was your first animated feature, Drew? I, I don't know. I mean, I remember Sword of the Stone growing up. I mean, it was probably Oliver and Company. Is that, uh-huh. making, me, is that making me sound really young? I actually rewatched the, yeah, a little bit of it on Disney Plus this past week, and woo boy. <laughs> that is that is not a good movie, but well, not you know I no I I well pretty isn't easy. I, I think that still holds up. I mean, or at the very least, you can't miss that CG staircase. Yes. Uh, well, I know. really I actually really like the Huey Lewis song that opens it. The that, Once Upon a Time in New York City. That I think if the entire film were that strong, I don't think. There'd be an issue, but but again, it's in a weird sort of way. It's an important movie because this is the one where Jeffrey Katzenberg fell in love with animation. Yeah, you know, and I feel like it was also very important because it kind of established that Disney animation was willing to take risks. It was willing to be hip. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the first movie that had a like stars that actually ap- appealed to audiences of the day. Not that, not that not that Bob Newhart was not lighting the world on fire in 1990, but you know what I mean? It's like, the, 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 you know, the, the, Bette Midler and, um, you know, it was, it was a big movie. I don't know whose idea it was to make Oliver Twist with dogs in New York City, but, you know. That was Jeffrey. That was, uh, was Jeffrey. Was it Jeffrey? Okay. Yeah. Or at least he was the one when they, they brought it into the pitch. It was like, Ooh, okay. All right, this one. Yes, you know. Um, but it did not get gonged, is what you were saying. Nope, that. it did not. Though, you know, as long as we're talking about theatrical releases, okay. So, oh God, just trying to keep track of what's moving where these days. It's so crazy. Okay, so uh, you were the one pointing out that the significance of Minions: The Rise of Gru basically getting its release date pushed back. Was because I mean this was the first animated feature that that just could not be finished. Yeah, Illuminations Entertainment the studio is based in France, and it was just like I'm sorry, we're locked down. We we can't get the guys there. So that release date, which was supposed to be July second of this year, has well that's the thing. It, it's all dominoes that you know it's a way that's affected Sing Two, which was supposed to come out next year on July second. So now Minions is is taking Sing's place next summer. That's right. And Sing then gets pushed off till December 22nd, 2021, which may be good news because the original Sing came out uh, December 21st, 2016, only cost $75 million to make, and then went on to sell $634 million worth of tickets worldwide. So I have to say, in personal confession, uh, I find I circle back on Sing a lot, especially uh, I love that scene from the movie, the sequence with Mina, the 
the teenage elephant. There's that wonderful sequence where she's singing the Stevie Wonder song, Don't You Worry About a Thing. And Is that when all the walls come down? And Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's a great bit out of the movie. But, yeah. Uh, but you, know, you know what I was thinking about is, are we going to... Are there going to be two Super Bowls in a row where we see previews for the same movies coming out? <laughs> like, it is just so – it's such a weird time, you know? It and we, and, and the, the debut is. of the Minions trailer was the, was the Super Bowl. And it's like mm-hmm. it's going to be an entire another year yeah. before you know, it happens, you know? I think that the, the one thing that won't be showing up there, or at least we hope – now, they just pushed uh, Top Gun Maverick to Christmas of this year, right? Yes, um, I am currently in mourning, Jim. Uh, you know. <laughs> face it, Universal's in for a tough year. They had to push off Fast and Furious 9 to next year. They, they've had to push off uh, Minions Rise of Gru. And those were two huge tentpoles in their schedule. They, oh, yeah. Those were potential billion-dollar-plus movies. That's it, exactly. And, and on the other hand, if we, we pivot over to Paramount... Look, the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, was not going to be a billion-dollar Ernie, but it was supposed to set up Camp Coral, uh, SpongeBob's under years, which, what, that that was supposed to debut on Nick in July of this year, right? So, yeah. And now they I just— I was thinking po- about this, too. Yeah, like, yeah. What, what's going to happen? Because what's the new date for this one? Well, that's the thing. They've just pushed uh, Sponge on the Run back. To July 31st. So how can you do the movie that sets up the series if the series was supposed to, what, debut in early July? So um, Also, I think that the July dates are going to start vacating soon, too. I think that's an over, <laughs> overly optimistic uh, release dates. No, so. no, dude, you're not wrong. And, and you, you have to wonder, given the, the films that have moved just in the last couple of days, What's going up and gone in Emeryville? I mean, it's one thing, you know, we're just a day away from, you know, Onward making its debut on Disney Plus. But how would you like to be Pete Doctor and, you know, having put all that sweat and toil into soul? And now they're still standing fast on on the June 19th date. I, but I think I know, that- it's, it's psychotic. I don't know what the, I don't know what that's about. Well, but but the weird part of it is I was talking with somebody at Disney about this and they said, look, okay, yes, the parks, they released that statement that, you know, the stateside parks and in fact, also France, uh, you know, did this as well, that, that closed until, closed indefinitely, closed till further notice. But on the other hand, again, if you go to the Disney World Reservation page, they have that message up that says that they are accepting reservations for starting on June 1st. So there's at least That's somebody. Insane. It's insane. I know, you know. Um, Who is going to want to go, too? That's the other thing. It's like, yeah, mm. cram all those people in there. Because, you know, the other thing is like with the Chinese theaters we were talking about, you yes. know, they open them and then they close them again very quickly. And now there are reports that there are new outbreaks blossoming yeah. in, in Asia because of foreign travelers that were finally allowed back into the countries. <sighs> so, you know, for an international destination, yeah. uh, you know, it's going to be really hard to figure that out. So, Well, in fact, it, it's so funny you mention this because we've talked previously about my daughter, Alice, and she had booked her dream trip to Japan. 
And, you know, and just last night I was talking with her about, hey, you know, it's just, you know, they're talking about Japan seems to have its act together and it looks like they're going to be one of the first countries to reopen. And she's like, Dad, I'm a foreign traveler. <laughs> the country is reopening for nationals. But on the other hand, if you're a foreign traveler coming to Japan, you have to do the automatic 14-day self-isolate, you know, sit in quarantine. And she says, my trip is 14 days long. So, you know, it's like, you know, oh, good. I could spend all 14 days in an authentic Japanese holding pen. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was where our honeymoon was supposed to be this year. Uh, and uh, that's not me. happening, Jim. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry. But it's fine. Uh, well, at least Alice got trip insurance so she can hopefully re recover the money she put out and and you know then get uh the chance to go back there if you know when we get to go back there all right i i need good news talking about everything canceled change shifted around that sort of thing so rick and morty did, did you see the trailer the, yeah you know, the, i loved it i thought it was great well, I was, I was actually a big fan of these first five episodes. I know mm -hmm. some people weren't, but that snake episode, Jim, I was <laughs> laughing. Uh, well, I have to admit, there was one particular line out of this trailer that really resonates today. It's the exchange where Morty's saying, I hate this. I hate all of this. And Rick says, yeah, keep that feedback coming, Morty. It can only help. You know, it just... <laughs> I feel like we, we, that should be on a T-shirt for everybody right. dealing with COVID today. Right. Um, on the other hand, I, the other trailer I just watched for J.J. Villard's Fairy Tales, which that's going to debut on Adult Swim the week after right. the second half of, of Rick and Morty. Oh, by the way, uh, Rick and Morty comes back on Sunday, May 3rd, starting 1130, whereas... J.J. Villard's Fairy Tales debuts the week following on May 10th at 12.15 p.m. What did we think of this trailer? Uh, it was crazy, Jim. Yeah. It was really, really crazy. I, I yeah. don't know what to think of it. It's, it's kind of a smart-ass, violent version of the Grimm's Fairy Tales, and woo! It's well, a did lot. You, did you see the voice cast, though, for this thing? They've got... Uh, Linda Blair from The Exorcist. They've got Warwick Davis, but not the cuddly, you know, Ewok Warwick Davis, the Warwick Davis who did Leprechaun, Nightmare Before Elm Street's Robert Eglund, Lost Boys' Corey Feldman, and, and finally Jennifer Tilly from Bride of Chucky. I mean, if you're a horror fan, this is a must-watch show. But I, and I'm going to sound like such a wimp for saying this, but... I, I watched this trailer, and again, great animation style, you know, appreciate the craft, strong writing, but I kind of grouped this with Mr. Pickles. There are just the, some the things... The psychotic I, dog that kills people. Yes, yes. Yeah. There are just some things I don't need to see right before bed, you know? It's right. Like, now you know how Nancy feels, Jim. <laughs> Jesus, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, okay. I, I suddenly move into the Dan Z category. I'm a... <laughs> I'm low-hanging fruit, folks. I'm an easy target. Um, well, look, I apologize. I will sample J.J. Villard's fairy tales and hope it, it's not a border collie drawing pentagrams in blood. Uh, but on the other hand, um, the other thing that Adult Swim just put out, and again, this is kind of related to all of us being trapped at home uh, in quarantine, but they just made it possible. They unlocked all of the episodes of Samurai Jack. Yeah, not not just the Adult Swim ones, but the entire season, yeah. the ones that were on Cartoon Network. So, so 
Yeah. That makes me happy. I mean, I, and look, I know that means I'm a hypocrite because Samurai Jack is violent, but it's, it's Gennady. Did I get that right? Gennady? Yes. Okay. I, I, I got yeah. a note about that. You know, so I okay. want to make sure I, I pronounce the name right. But it's Gennady Tartakovsky violence. I mean, it's beautifully staged. It's wonderful design. Yes, people get their heads cut off, but 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 it's it, it's Gennady. Right. Let's see. What else? You know, to be honest, we really should have seen the Disney Casmer referral thing coming because what was it? They just announced the, what is it? The... They first rehired and then furloughed the crew that was that's over in London working on Disney's live action Little Mermaid. Um, oh, is that what happened? I saw. Did you see the set photos of Prince Eric's ship? No, that, they, that No, yeah they they had constructed the entire ship, and I, I mean we're talking about a huge like a, a true to scale mm-hmm. ship, and what they had done was they had. Uh, sort of blocked it off with these giant shipping containers that they just stacked on on all sides of the ship. Mm-hmm. And then you could see that they were going to put a blue tarp over that mm-hmm. to simulate the green screen or the blue screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, sets are built, Jim. They're out there in the British air. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do. Well, according to this hire and then furlough thing, it was supposed to... I guess the UK has its own version of the stimulus program. They have a job retention. In fact, I love this. It's a job retention scheme, you know, not a plan. It's a scheme. Uh, Boy, we got a scheme over here, Governor. I can't retain these workers. Yeah, we are. Well, anyway, according to this scheme, the, the crew members will receive 80% of their pay up to a maximum of 3100 per month. And now the furlough is only supposed to last through the end of May, which is when they're hoping that they can begin shooting again. Oh, now I got to go chase down that picture. That that sounds fascinating. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh okay. Uh, again, no lot of bad news, folks, but uh, when you get back to the break, I promise some good news. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, we're back. And first of all, Drew, we have the most wonderful listeners. Remember how last week you and I were talking about the Muppets? And in particular, we were wondering what became of season four and season five of the DVD sets? Yes. Okay. Which they announced at one point. They did. They did. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. And and, um, I can't get into specifics about who shared this information. Uh, right. And I will need to do a little editing as I read this, but okay. Hi, Drew and, and, and Jim. I just listened to your newest podcast, and in it, you guys were talking about how later seasons of The Muppet Show were never released. Well, I don't work at Disney, but I am... Uh, cut out that part. Um, right. uh, funny enough, right before we were told to, to go work from home for the rest of our lives, I was talking with a co-worker and inquiring why seasons four and season five were never released. 
What I was told, and believed to be true, is that it's a case of how the Wonder Years couldn't be released for a long time for people to watch. It's all tied up in music rights, or rather tied up in the lack of music rights. There's a quite a bit of music that the company failed to get the rights to beyond that decade. And there's quite a few musicians that are now gone and aren't around to give those rights. And it's become much more expensive to acquire them. So we now sort of have an answer and that it's what a surprise it's money um yes well i i I implore everyone to read my vanity fair article that i wrote about this last week which is why we were talking about this um, in the first place speaking of which did you see what josh gad put on twitter like a day or so ago I saw I saw that Brian Lynch w- put up a script for a Muppet movie from 1999. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Well, I saw that the next he, Muppet movie. Now he put up just a couple of pages. Did he? Put, yes. But the interesting. No, he didn't put up the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but, but the interesting is Josh put up a full scene from Muppets. Muppets never say die. Yeah, uh, or, or, Muppets or Muppets live, live another, another day. Muppets live another day. Or, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's but it was this wonderful scene where Rolf is in Steve Martin's apartment, and and Steve Martin is breaking it gently that you know the studio. Evidently, the show that all the Muppets were in on Broadway has stopped running, and so. But Rolf is is counting. He's like, okay, well, I don't worry. I've got a gig lined up. I'm appearing with Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and Martin Short in the four <laughs> four amigos, and and this is the scene where. You know, Steve first brings Rolf a bowl of milk and then proceeds to tell him that the studios tell them that they've cut the budget for the four amigos. And Rolf's like, oh, my God, that's so terrible. Who's going to tell Martin Short? <laughs> you know, and it's, but yeah, yes, it, that was one of my I read that script. I think I can say I can't say how I read it mm-hmm. or who gave it to me, but I've read the script. And that is that was one of my favorite parts. Oh. It, it really it integrated celebrities from the time in a way that's relevant to modern audiences. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the script was amazing. The show is going to be absolutely incredible. So, yeah, I just I wish I wish they would have made it. But yeah, yeah but you know. but the interesting thing Josh was proposing that to raise charity for you know folks who've been affected by the pandemic, that they should get celebrities together to read the script. Uh, yes, I saw that. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. You know, I would get behind that twelve hundred percent. I would, and and more to the point, having read the you know just read this one little scene, it's like I so want to read the rest of this. It sounds like it would have been an amazing. It's such a, a wonderful sort of calling card for this project. It just sort of hints that it could have been could have been really fun. But speaking of stuff that I hope is going to be hugely fun, that well, first of all, I, I have to again share something that happened on Twitter just a day or so ago. And first of all, there's this young lady called Hallie Reagan, and she decides to tweet out day one of tweeting until Ryan Reynolds answers. And one minute later, Drew, Ryan Reynolds responds and he says, nailed it a minute one. Congratulations. And now go wash your hands. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That may be my favorite celebrity. The only, in fact, oddly enough to circle back to Steve Martin, have you heard what, if you go up to Steve Martin and you ask him for an autograph, what he does? No. Oh, this is, this honestly is, is my favorite 
idea of a celebrity, how, how you handle you know, members of the public. And what Steve Martin does is he says, I don't do autographs, but I will give you this. And he opens his wallet, he pulls out a business card. And the, 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 the business card actually says, this is to certify that you actually met Steve Martin and it was a kind, sensitive, warm person. And, you know, so it's like, you, know, you can show that to your friends. <laughs> and, you know, just... That is hilarious. I, I, I love that. I love that. But... Uh, but anyway, yes, uh, Ryan Reynolds is in the news this week because news just broke that uh, Ryan is in talks with Netflix to star in a live action version of Dragon Slayer, a popular 80s video game. And oh boy, um, <laughs> it was recently referenced in Stranger Things. What's it? Oh, oh, God, yeah. you're right. You're right. They, yeah. they, 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 they were the at the. Yeah, in fact, yeah. wasn't that when the younger brother walked outside and, you and know... Saw the, the upside down all coming coming do, down, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't game, folks. I've, I've never gamed. I lack the hand-eye coordination for asteroids. You know, Pong utterly defeated me. But I would go in, in the 80s to the arcade and watch friends play Dragon's Lair because I you know, was a, a fan of Don Bluth's animation. I, I was one of the people on opening day who went out to theaters to see Secret of Nim. And it still holds up today. I mean, beautiful animation and an attempt at like Star Wars level action. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it cost $7 million to make and it only sold... $14.7 million worth of tickets that summer. And you can remember, Don Bluth walked out the door from Disney in 79, and I'm bringing back classic animation, and I'm taking a third of the staff with me. And, and so by the late summer, early fall of 1982, I mean, Don had already started work. You know, his team was already developing a follow-up to NIM, the, what was it, East of the Sun, West of the Moon? But, you know, because NIM did so poorly at the box office, the funding for East of the Sun almost immediately dried up. And, and Don Booth Productions was then forced to declare bankruptcy. But, you know, as they're kind of regrouping as, all right, what are we doing now? Here comes Rick Dyer, the, the president of Advanced Microcomputer Systems. And he had just seen Secret of NIM and, and loved its rich, detailed, colorful, highly detailed animation. And he thinks it's just the element the, the game he's been developing, Dragon Lair, needs. And Bluth, who really, there are no other offers on the table. You know, it's just sort of like, okay, sure, let's do this. But then it's, Drew, it's this ridiculous time crunch. I mean, first of all, it's a ridiculously low budget. They only had uh, $1.3 million to animate, I want to say, a full hour of colorful animation, feature quality, and then... Dragon's Lair, Dyer had made promises that it would be available in arcades in July, you know, the following year. So literally it's it's a year and like two weeks after Secret of Nim, the Dragon's Lair needs to be in arcades around the country. And But they do it. They pull it off. Mind you, <laughs> I, I'm sure you've heard the stories about Princess Daphne that if you, you have the right issue of Playboy from 1982, you can figure out who they based her on. Uh, you know, <laughs> she's, pretty, she's pretty sexy. She you know? is pretty sexy. Well, it was again, the idea was this game was supposed to appeal to teenage boys. So that was the reference. They couldn't afford a model. So they literally tore pages out of you know issues from 82. And a lot of the, the key poses for the animation are basically shots out of specific issues of Penthouse from that year. But 
Dragon Layers come out uh, is a smash hit, and Bluth decides to double down. They're, they're going to do a follow-up to Dragon Slayer. They do Space Ace. Uh, uh-huh. You familiar with this one, Drew? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of the same thing. I mean, the, the characters look very similar. They do, um, they do, they do. But I was going to tell you, you know why some part of the reason why it was such a hit was that it was one of the first two-quarter uh, oh, video God, game yeah. experiences yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. Um and from what I understand, it was not the most interactive game. I mean, you sort of could memorize the buttons and, mm-hmm. and get through it pretty quickly. But yeah, it was just such an expensive thing to do that that it was 50 cents uh, a shot, which was unheard of at the time. It was. It so, was. Yeah. And and that was, the I think, the, the thing that uh, kind of tripped up spaces. Because I think for a lot of people in their, their kids, when they saw, oh, there's a... A game similar to Dragon's Lair is like, wow, it's, it's similar. It's really similar. It's like the exact same thing. That didn't do nearly as well. And they rushed that out into arcades. I, uh, I think that made it out April of 84. So that's, what is it, nine months after Dragon's Lair? Yeah. And so Dyer and Bluth are looking at the returns from the Space Ace machines. like, ah, okay, all right, uh, regroup. You know, let's do a direct sequel to Dragon's Lair, you know, and so they start working on Dragon's Lair 2, uh, Time Warp. And it's just about this time, I guess, it's the the actual summer of 84 that the bottom falls out of the arcade business. I don't, for the life of me, understand why. Maybe too many 50-cent games? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I would... I saw this really great mm. when I was doing research for this episode. It was a commercial for Showbiz Pizza. And the <laughs> entire commercial was just about Dragon's Lair. It was not even about the pizza. It was like, come on in. Really? And play. Yeah, it was really cool. Okay. It was very 80s in the best the best possible way. Okay. I don't know why, but of course, we're, we're talking about the Dragon's Lair movie. What became of the, the Five Nights at Freddy's movies? I know, wasn't Chris, Col- Chris Columbus was working on that? I think. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, I, I get back. Okay, arcade businesses has collapsed, and here's Bluth, you know, sort of once again teetering on the edge and thinking about bankruptcy. And, but out of the blue, he gets a call from Steven Spielberg, and he just had just seen a Secret of Him. And, you know, it was just going on to Bluth about the amazing animation. He hadn't seen anything this good since Pinocchio. And did you want to come over? Maybe we could do lunch and talk about collaborating. And and it's funny you talk about Oliver and Company. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Oliver and Company went head-to-head with the second spielberg Bluth collaboration, right? A, a land before time, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. Was that? Yeah. That was the the second one after American Tale. Okay. And yeah. wasn't the deal that Disney was kind of humiliated by the fact when American Tale came out in November? You know, here's a movie with a mouse in it. It surpassed the box office of The Great Mouse Detective. Am I getting that right? Yes. Yes, okay. I believe so. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. The thing that, that absolutely fascinates me about this, in fact, you can go online right now, folks, and if you Google Don Bluth exposure sheet, this was, by the way, the official newsletter of the Don Bluth Animation Club, not fan club, animation club. The cover story for the fall of 1984 issue is the version of Beauty and the Beast that Don Bluth is developing uh, with the 
telepathic dog. I, I think we've talked about this previously, Drew. Uh, no, we have not, Jim, but I think we need to oh, <laughs> maybe oh. that maybe that will be the feature next week. Okay, uh, okay. all right. We'll, okay. Okay, all right. We'll, we'll circle back on that. But uh, before we close out here, you know, again, talking about Don Bluth and animation, I, I just, it was one of these things that, wait a minute, we've got this Ryan Reynolds film that, you know, live action thing uh, Netflix is working on, but didn't Don supposedly get or wasn't Don working on a full-length animated version of Dragon's Lair? Did, or did oh, yes, he was, Jim. Yeah, it was called Dragon's Lair Returns. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a feature-length movie. It went from... It was on Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. It wound up on Indiegogo. Okay. Um, and he ended up getting $730,000 to do this. And we have not seen anything. This was back in January of 2016. Mm-hmm. And supposedly the rights negotiations for the Netflix Ryan Reynolds movie mm-hmm. took over a year to complete. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea what was going on. You know, I mean, face it, Netflix has a fairly robust animation program going on. In fact, trailer for the Willoughby's just dropped. That looks interesting. Yeah. Maybe, you know, it's somewhere amid the rights there. Oh, wait a minute. No, no. Is the Ryan Reynolds thing supposed to be a prequel? Do we know anything about that? We don't know anything about the story, mm. no. And, yeah, I mean, it w- it'll be interesting to see how they stretch this thing out mm. to, yeah, but- to feature. Although, you know, we didn't talk about the incredibly terrible uh, la- Saturday morning TV show well, that they made. That, that, this is true. That, w- that was truly awful. But on the other hand, yeah. uh, who knows when we're going to see Free Guy, but... That's, you know, Ryan Reynolds in the gaming world. And now here is, you know, Ryan Reynolds once again playing somebody from gaming. But I got to say, if I were picking an actor working today to play Dirk the Daring, Ryan, it, it, you get it in one. It's just sort of like literally, yeah, that's yeah, the guy. It's, it's literally perfect ca- casting. Yeah. yeah. So now it's, it's, it's off to find Daphne. I don't want to be in the casting room for that one. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right. So, um I guess to pivot now to, again, other podcasts like the wonderful Light the Fuse podcast that Drew does. By the way, congratulations on your movie thing last night. I, 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 yeah, how, wasn't that crazy? Well, I, how, how nuts was it to have the director, Chris McQuarrie, you know, suddenly pop in? Um, yeah, I mean, we did a live uh, watch, which all the tweets are still up mm-hmm. for uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Yep. And I get this message from Chris McQuarrie and he mm-hmm. goes, listen, I can't sleep. So I'm watching your I'm watching your live thing. Um, I'll take ten questions from people. Oh. So it was like it was so crazy because then I was like I was like how about this question? Mm-hmm. Does this, is this too spoilery? Mm-hmm. You know because people are very excited about seven and eight obviously. Yeah yeah. Um, but we we did not plan that. We did not. He did not get, sign off on it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. It was just like the most fortuitous you know experience and it was it added a lot i think so Uh yeah well seriously folks if you are not already listening to light the fuse you are missing so many great stories so much entertainment that should be appointment listening and and by the way what do what's coming next oh god well this week we talked to liz hannah who is the oscar nominated screenwriter of the post and wrote for um mindhunter season two and we just had her on to talk about why she loves rogue nation so that was really fun Mm -hmm. And then uh, tomorrow we're talking to Dan Mendel, the great um, cinematographer who shot Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, John Carter. He worked with Tony Scott a lot before he died. And um, so we have some big stuff coming, Jim. Oh, man. So, yeah. 
<laughs> Very entertaining stuff, well worth listening to while we're all stuck in our houses. But, uh, yes, correct. <laughs> and and you know, we have some stuff you might want to listen to over at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We've got Disney with Len Testo. We've got Marvelous Disney, which I do with Aaron Adams, a gentleman who edits a lot of the podcasts here at the network. Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. In fact, he and I really need to get a new one of those going. Uh, looking at Lucasfilm with, with Dan Z. By the way, Dan says, hi. Uh, I want that with Michelle Valladolid, which, God, we're going to talk about all the stuff <laughs> you, know, you can get from Easter from DisneyShopping.com. Disney Shop Disney. ShopDisney.com. And we should tell everybody that you can watch Onward now this on is, Disney+. Plus. This is true. So. This is true. And again, what better way to watch that film than you know, with sitting with the art of Onward in your lap? You know, a- Yeah, I think that there are actually some of the deleted scenes and stuff. They're going to have special features on the Disney Plus version. So, Ooh. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Everything that we talked about in the book and on this podcast, you'll be able to see Very in motion cool. All right. soon. So, uh, yeah. And speaking of podcasts, folks, I know we've been teasing this. If we do not start recording this weekend, Drew is going to bury me in the backyard. So, you know. <laughs> Or, or, never, never. Know. Okay, bury me in the front yard. Uh, you know, so I, the show we've been talking about will be out shortly. Trust me, and it will be cool. And yes. I guess for now, that will do it. So thanks for listening. And Drew and I will be back with hopefully less depressing news next week. <laughs>